Hello and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chen. We're just two friends encouraging one another to seek God more. It's important to point out with our title that we're not suggesting that we ask better questions than other people are asking. We're wanting to improve the questions that we ask. It's important to keep learning and growing and that involves asking better questions. And that will never end with our journey with God. If you're listening and you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will try to have a conversation about them. You can send your questions to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com. So, Pastor John, has there been something really exciting happening in your week? Oh, there has actually. Uh, I, just today, I got news that uh, someone has decided to donate a microphone to my side of the podcast. And so from next week, I think you'll, uh, you'll have slightly better sound quality at my end. Uh, and sorry if that drowns you out a little bit. <laughs> well, whoever has donated the microphone, if you're listening, I exist as well. Um, <laughs> but that's great news. Love it. Yeah, it's amazing. Just uh, someone decided, uh, someone who's been listening to the podcast has just decided that they wanted to uh, make a donation. And uh, I, yeah, sort of blown away today and sort of still in a little bit of a shock about it. Well, thank you for your generous donation, whoever you are. Yeah, definitely very grateful for that. So uh, what about you, Shane? Anything exciting in your week? I think the exciting part was just uh, being able to uh, launch our podcast and uh, got uh, got really good feedback from people and they've been enjoying listening to it. And yeah, I would love to see more people um, listen to our podcast and actually enjoy it. We, we promise we're trying to do our best and try to get better as our podcast goes on and like you said improve the sound quality for most of all and improve our content as well yeah that's right and uh certainly one of the things that will help us to improve our content is if people send in their own questions uh, that we can have a discussion about so how about we jump into our first segment called random scripture so today shane is going to be flipping the bible to a random page and we'll just read a few verses that catch our eye on that page and then we'll have a discussion about that verse, those verses, and we'll let the discussion take on a life of its own. And we just pray that God will guide it to a scripture that he wants us to talk about and try to follow his lead. Awesome. So I have just flipped over to Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 13 onwards. It says, They will sow wheat, but reap thorns. They will wear themselves out, but gain nothing. They will bear the shame of their harvest because of Lord's fierce anger. This is what the Lord says, As for all my wicked neighbors who seize their inheritance, I give my people Israel. I will uproot them from their lands, and I will uproot the people from Judah from among them. But after I uproot them, I will again have compassion and will bring each, each of them back to their own inheritance and their own country. I'll just stop it there. Yeah, well, so, I, was gonna, I thought John. you were going to keep reading until you found something good. <laughs> <laughs> so pastor john what do you think of this verse yeah well i mean you've picked another heavy one shane you have a, a habit of grabbing the deep ones um so this is not the verse that's normally quoted in this chapter normally we would quote uh verse five if you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out how can you compete with horses um but we have here <laughs> jeremiah's made a complaint to god about the way things seem to be and there's bad things happening and to, to good people and good people, uh, you know, bad people having good things happen to them. And, and so there's this complaint, and this is part of God's answer 
to Jeremiah. And so he's actually saying, I'm going to take the, the blessing that I've given my people away for a time. And so that uh, never sounds nice. This is the sort of stuff we don't generally like to talk about in, in Christianity um, because we like to talk about God as always blessing, always generous, always doing good for us. And I don't want to take away from those statements, but we do have to take, sometimes there's, there's the discipline that he puts in. And the Bible describes uh, that any father or any parent who doesn't discipline their children, it's because he doesn't love his children. And so God, who loves us, will also discipline us. And so if people are going to forsake me and, and my house, if they're not going to follow the way that I want them to live, then they don't have my blessing. I think we touched on this in a similar way in a previous podcast we did. Yeah, Pastor John, you're exactly right. As to be a good father, you need to be willing to put some kind of boundaries around your children. And there's boundaries as a father you put around your children for their benefit and for their for their well-being. And here we see something similar like that where God is a good father and he is doing something for their children. And he also says, but I will also have compassion on, on them and bring them back and give back their things that belongs to them. And I just love that part of seeing God's heart that he is willing to confront his people. He's willing to actually step up and say, hey guys, there's things that haven't been going right here. There's things you have been um, doing things that are wrong and I would like to help with that. And he uses a way to sort of punish them, to make them feel like, oh, God is angry with us. Yeah. But then again, he loves them so much that he's not going to be angry at them forever. And and you see that picture of a good father that, hey, you guys are going into timeout. You're going you're gonna to have all these benefits taken away from you because you have been naughty, but you're not going to stay there forever. I'm going to actually bring you out of that and you're going to get everything back um, as normal. And so that's the picture that God was trying to uh, paint here. Yeah, and uh, spoken like a true father that's got lots of experience. Um, we'll see if you still talk like that after your kid is born later this year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we tend to lose a little bit of confidence for a while in how we speak about fatherhood once we've had children. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is a theme that goes right through Scripture. It's the, the age-old concept that God wants to pour His blessing out. He wants to live in close relationship. He wants to be a part of our life, and He wants us to be a part of Him. And so He creates an environment. He creates circumstances. He creates a whole lot of stuff that invites us in, but there are... There are rules. There are expectations. There are we we have to come into alignment with him, and so right back from the Garden of Eden right through uh, till the end of the earth as we know it, it will be the same thing that God wants to create relationship with us, and the number of rules that He puts on us compared to the amount of blessing He wants to put, the rules aren't that much. There's not actually that much that restricts us from coming into the presence of God. However. We have to come in His way, and we have to be willing to become more like Him. And so right here we see the fact that people don't want that, they're not willing to do that. And and if it was just a one-off decision, I think everyone there would say, yeah, 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 we choose God. But God's talking about our life. Are we willing to live 
for him, like him, about him. And it seems like we struggle as humans to consistently live in that way that honors God and is sort of uh, living up to the standard that he expects from us. It's not necessarily that it's difficult, although it can be, but it's actually more that temptations come in that are more enticing to us than what we perceive that we're getting from God. And so uh, whatever it is, whether it be uh, just evil desires or whether it be just other things that are not bad, but that we would might prefer over God, at least today, and then that becomes a pattern and we've ended up turning our back on God. Yeah, well, and that's exactly right. Um, I think, yes, sometimes it can be really hard to follow everything that God has given you, especially when God speaks to you about something and you are, you are just not sure or you think it's too big of a thing to do. And we need to keep um, telling ourselves that, hey, God is bigger in my life. There's things that come against us. We, we're like, oh yeah, that's very tempting. And we can go easily go towards that. And you, we might have people around us who, who will prompt us towards that. But we need to stand strong and say, what is God saying in my life? What is he speaking into? Am I actually following his path? And it's reminding ourselves every day is waking up saying, am I doing everything that God has called me to do? Am I obeying everything that God has told me? And that becomes a bigger question in our lives where when we realize we walk with God, we walk in his purpose and plan, we, we seem to align with him more. And when temptation comes, you know that the purpose and plan that God has for you is bigger in your life than to actually go towards something else. And I've seen many people who have backslidden or slipped off um, or have completely, you know, been don't want to do anything with God is because they lose track of their identity in God and the purpose that God has for them. And they just don't realize who they are in Christ and all the blessing that God has to offer. And so something small comes in their life and they think it's a really big issue. They make a big deal out of it. Then they start distrusting God and getting away from all the blessing that God has for them in their life. And that's what we need to be careful of. That's why we need to be Continually in putting God's word into our life, continually, whether it's a good time or a bad time in your life, we need to be continually saying, I'm going to be praying, I'm going to be reading God's word, I'm going to have a positive input into my life about God every day. And that will keep us on track. And that will, when you learn, start to learn God's word, that will help you to actually stay away from temptation because that verse will just jump out from nowhere and be like, you're not supposed to do that. This is what the Word of God says. And it, and that will be a great reminder to keep on track with God's blessing, to be in that place of receiving everything that God has for you. Because we also need to position ourselves. Sometimes we could be out of alignment with what God has for our life. And so we need to constantly align ourselves with God's Word and what God is saying for our life. And are we walk, walking in on purpose and plan that God has for our life. Yeah, and the the great reward in all of it is that we get God. That mm. He becomes our our God, our friend, our Saviour, our Lord. He become we we get His presence. We get His word. Yeah. We get His life. And the great temptation is to take a shortcut 
to the goal that God puts in front of us. And yeah. so rather than going his way and doing his his process, uh, we think, oh, we know what God's telling us to do. We can go this way and it'll be easier, it'll be quicker, it'll be uh, more pleasant or comfortable. And God's saying, no, I've got this other way. Do it my way. And so we end up taking that shortcut and actually trying to leave God behind and outrun him. And so, uh, you know, this is a great reminder to whether, as you said, whether it's a good time or a hard time to turn to God, to seek him, to to love on him and to allow him and his ways to to respond to that as well. Yeah. So if we step back from that a little bit, I think that's probably uh, where we've left that is actually sort of leading into our question for the day. And we left this on a previous podcast where we were talking about uh, doing things for God and just the question between the balance between serving and seeking. And so obviously we talk a lot on this podcast about seeking God. Uh, It's one of the, the great suggestions of the scripture is that's the best thing to do with life and yet at the same time whenever we seek God then he seems to place us into situations where there's people who have needs and so the the challenge then if I'm if all I did with my life was seek God I'd have 24 hours a day I'd take some sleep out of that and I'd have a lot of time with God but that doesn't seem to be the plan and yet, if, I, if all I do is serve people and love people and focus on that side, then I end up becoming dry and distant from God, and I don't have anything to offer. And so, how do we find that balance? What is the balance between serving and seeking? Yeah, so great question, Pastor John, the balance between serving and seeking God. In, in my life, I, I can say that there has, I started off serving God because that's what I knew about God. And growing up, in a Christian household, your dad is a pastor. All you know, first of all, is you're going to church and you're going to serve in some way, no matter how young you are. So all, all my life, basically, I've known that I need to go into serving. Yeah. And until I had an encounter with God, that's when I actually really started to seek God, that I want to know, hey, is this God real in my life? So before then, it was all about saving that I needed some jobs that needed to be done, which is really good. That's what a good Christian does um, is do the jobs that no one else is doing, do the cleaning, do, do the outreach stuff, do, do everything in your power to make the church service great or during the week to catch up with people. It, it was all about saving, saving, saving. Yeah. And then I found this great beauty about getting to know Jesus is about actually seeking him. And that's where I had some fulfillment in my life and knowing, wait, I didn't actually stop to realize that I was doing it the wrong way around. I was always meant to be seeking God, even though saving is great, but seeking was more important. I found that there's a joy now in what I'm doing. It was before, it was just like chores that I'm doing, but when I started to seek God and I started to get to know him, I was like, wow, I'm doing this for someone that's real in my life, someone that truly loves me and someone that I can truly love back and someone that who has um, a great purpose for my life, someone who wants the best for me. So I was, you know, seeking him every day, reading my scriptures, uh, just praying um, and, and trying to find more about God and seeking, continually just seeking him day and night. And that that was the 
the best thing that I ever did was to seek God. Yeah. And it, I believe it comes into everyone's life in a moment where that's all you might know about church and about being a Christian is you got to be a good person who helps people out, who serves people. And it's all about the servantship and being a servant and being being a good steward, which is all great and good and it's in the Bible. But the most important part for me is where I actually loved doing all of those was seeking God. Yeah, I mean, like you say, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul talks, he uses the phrase, I worked harder than all of you. And it's in the context, yeah. of course, that God's grace is working in me. And so it's God's grace that's working through me to help other people. But it's not about that we shouldn't be serving or that we shouldn't be working hard or that we shouldn't be, you know, I think sometimes it uses words that we would equate with slaving. There's this, there's this hard work that actually needs to be done. Now, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But there is this idea that the call of God or the need of God's people will cause us to push ourselves to achieve and accomplish more. But we, right. can't, we can't fall into the trap then of forgetting the fact that God is actually our purpose. He's our goal. He's our treasure that we're searching for. He is the reason we exist in you know, and one of the things that Jesus says is your work is to believe in the one God sent. And, yeah. you know, that sounds like an easy job. Oh, all I have to do is believe. But when you take that and place it into the circumstances you're going through, the circumstances tell you God's not there to care. God's not there to help you. God's not there to do what needs to be done. So you have to do it all. And it actually is quite difficult. It's probably one of the hardest things we face. It's one of the things that causes the most turmoil is when all of life's circumstances come against us to tell us what you're doing is not right, what you're doing is not real. And then we have to say, no, I'm going to trust the process that God's placed me on. I'm going to do the work that he's put before me. I'm going to serve the people that he's brought to me. And in the middle of all of that, I'll make, I'll make sure that I come back and sit at his feet. That's right. Um, when you see God, I feel like there's no other choice, but God is going to put something on your heart that requires an action, that requires saving. Yeah. And, and that's been true in my life. Whenever I seek God more, I find out that there's something He wants me to do. There's something He's always prompting me to do. And in, in a way, it's a service to other people. And I find, found out that everything that I'm doing is actually not saving myself, but saving God's people. I'm just a vessel. I I pray every day that, hey, God, please use me in whatever way you want me to uh, want. And and I find out every day that God has something for me to do that actually fulfills his purpose that he has for my life. Yeah. So when you're in the process of seeking, there might be something wrong if, you know, you don't get something that um, God is telling you to do. Sometimes we seek God and it's great and God gives us something for our life when we need it the most. But most times it's giving you something not just for yourself, but for other people in a way that you can save God and save the bigger purpose over your life. And I have found that true. There's times in my seeking that I have learned something and I was like, man, I needed that for my life. And it was great and it was true for my life. But down the years, I recognized that I've been walking in what God has said and it has been helping other people but I didn't realize it. I just thought it was for my life yeah. and I found out without even knowing I was saving other people through that and so 
when we seek God, we'll ultimately find ourselves saving people. And that's the beauty of it. Well, the scripture that I want to talk about today actually is probably a good example of that. Um, and it's found in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. And it's known as the story of Mary and Martha. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Now, in this story, the context that it gives is that Jesus was on his way to a village and Martha opened up her home. And that sounds fantastic. So she's inviting Jesus into her house. The problem, and this is what we're discussing, the problem with that is that opening your house to Jesus means there's a crowd that's going to fill your house. Now, it probably wasn't this house, but one of the other houses that happened, there were so many people crammed into the house that the only way in was for four people to rip part of the roof off and lower their friend down through the roof so that he could get into the room. And so everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd, and this one's no exception. So Martha opens her home to Jesus, and because Jesus comes, a whole lot of people come, and it might be maybe a hundred people. And, you know, so uh, what do you do when a hundred people are coming to your house? Well, there's a whole lot of work that has to be done. There's, there's cooking, there's cleaning, there's tidying, there's sorting, there's, there's borrowing chairs from people, there's who knows what else. There's so many things mm-hmm. that have to do when you have people coming around in a large group, especially people that you don't know that you're now hosting. And so because yeah. Martha invited Jesus into her house, she gets a group of possibly a hundred people that are now expecting her to feed them. And, you know, in their culture would be similar to the culture that you grew up in, Shane, where if you've got a hundred people coming to your house, they're going to expect food and it's rude of you not to provide it. And she's catering for that. She doesn't seem to be complaining about the fact that she has to cater for people. What she's complaining about, firstly, is that Mary isn't helping her. And secondly, she seems to be missing the fact that Jesus is in our house and she's in the kitchen. She's in the other room doing preparations. And so Jesus is just teaching people and he hasn't asked for food, apparently. He hasn't asked for any sort of hospitality. He has just responded graciously to the invitation and people have followed. And so if we just describe Martha for a moment, she's hospitable, extremely hospitable. She's productive and efficient. She's busy. She invited Jesus into her life. She made space for others to meet Jesus. There's no evidence in Scripture of any actual sin. She has great confidence. She's well organized. She has a servant heart. And these are all the things that, if you're a pastor of a church, that you're wanting from your people. She is the ideal servant in a church. Or, indeed, in any uh, family scenario, you want someone like Martha... In your area, you know, if you've got people coming around for Christmas dinner and you've got someone like Martha in your house, it is going to be an amazing dinner. And so this is the sort of person that really we look at from a church perspective and we say, this is the ideal person. She is doing everything exactly the way it should be done. And yet when she comes to Jesus and says, why am I the only one doing this? 
Jesus says, because someone chose something better. And so it, it's right. I mean, you know, church is a place where we seek God. And if we forget that, then even as individuals, more to the point, if we forget that we're supposed to be seeking God, then all it is is a list of jobs. And we'll have people look at us and say, what an amazing person, but that's not the goal. The goal is that they'll see Jesus. The goal is that they'll meet Jesus as well. And so Mary just sat at Jesus' feet. Now, I don't think in this story that Jesus is saying laziness is better than busyness. He is saying sitting at his feet is better than worrying about all of these unmet expectations. And so the idea of Mary just being able to sit at Jesus' feet while he taught is the goal. Yeah. So it seems to me that Jesus is actually rebuking Martha for putting other things before the presence of God. And I think that's a caution for all of us as we, especially in this season where we've got isolation and all of the worries and concerns are there, but the work isn't for a lot of us. To actually say, I'm going to take this opportunity, this time, this space, this gift that I've been given of space and time, and I'm going to sow some of it into just spending time seeking God and spending time in His presence. Wow, that's amazing, Pastor John. I just wanted to bring up a scripture from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 onwards. It says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. I just thought that was an amazing verse. This uh, verses in the Bible also talks about that you might be able to do amazing miracles. You have cast out demons. You have done all these amazing things. But when you come to heaven, I'm, I'm just going to say, I do not know you because you haven't taken the time to seek me. Yeah. All you have done is serve me. And so here Paul talks about he counts everything else as garbage because the most important thing to do in our life is to actually seek God. That's the goal of our life is to get to know him. It's just like we talked about um, hearing God's voice in one of the podcasts and how important it was to have a better relationship with God. Yeah. And so that's the point is that we are continually seeking God. We actually are building our relationship with God because that's more valuable than anything. So that doesn't mean we should stop doing what whatever God has called us to do. It's a part of it. So here, you know, when you mentioned about... Uh, Mary and Martha, they, there was a sense of, we got to be seeking God more. We, we, Jesus is right there. What are we doing? And when you talk about in the context of church, what if everyone who was saving in church one day just said, we're just waiting on God. <laughs> and, and can you imagine, that's what happened in the upper room. We're all just going to wait on God. And was there any structure to the church? Was there, oh yeah, the choir is going to be singing now? Or was there... Someone is going to do the communion now. Someone's going to take up the offering now. No, it was a continually seeking God because that's what they thought was more valuable. That's what they thought was important. It's not to go around doing anything else, but wait on God. So sometimes we need to stop ourselves with everything that we're doing is, wait, what is important? Do we just want to have a great display of things we can do um, 
in our house or in our churches or wherever we are? Or do we just simply want to be at Jesus' feet? And that's the most important thing. Yes, sometimes we come to church like, um, I know sometimes you might get annoyed. There's not enough food in church today. Something must be going on. Who hasn't done their bit? Who hasn't brought food to church so we can have a morning tea? Uh, and it, you might be able to get offended by that. But is that really important? Yes, it is important for us to save. Less. Yes, it's important for us to be hospitable. And, and I'm all for that. I'm the biggest person who would say, if there's no food, I'm probably not going. Um, <laughs> so we got to be able to provide for people, make sure people are comfortable. But we also got to remind people that it's about Jesus. It's about sitting at his feet. When we come together, that's, that comes secondary. That might attract you to being here. But the important thing is that we all get something from God that we all receive something from God, that we have gotten closer to God, that we have actually found ourselves seeking Him and pressing deeper into Him. And, you know, that's the beauty of Jesus. And I just love that, that we can be able to experience what Jesus has experienced and sharing our faith with other people. And, you know, the verse goes on and talks about it. And, and that's the whole goal of this, is to have a relationship with God is to seek Him. So when one day when you die and you go to heaven, God can be like, I know you. You have been constantly complaining to me about everything, but I love it. <laughs> no, when we are in a zone where we complain about everything and anything and life is so miserable. But maybe this is one way we can get closer to God. It's just talking to Him. You know, sharing your heart to God. And, and God would know you. God would honor you for that. That you have actually took out time to spend with Him rather than being in the crowd, doing every, everything and, yes, saving. But you miss the point of it all, what, which is to get closer to God. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying and I love it. The pastor in me wants to throw out a caution in the middle of what you said to say for people who are currently on a roster, serving in church and doing things, uh, obviously in this season, uh, there's a smaller group of that. But when you go back, keep serving and seek at the same time if the only time that you say i'm going to stop doing something and seek god is when you're at church then it's probably not going to be as effective as what we would hope so i would recommend starting by giving up some tv time or something like that and seek god as an individual but absolutely agree with you shane that if we come together as a church and we all seek god together how much more powerful is that than if we all just come and do good things like good deeds are important, yeah. good activities are important, but how much better if we seek God together? So um, one of my uh, favorite books is the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes takes a whole lot of things, almost like a scientific experiment to see what has value. And so the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes compares pleasure, wisdom, toil, riches, oppression, friendship, destiny, righteousness. And he looks at all of those things and his summary of it is... Without God, all of that is meaningless. Mm. On, on this earth, uh, it's, everything is meaningless except for in the context of I'm already seeking God. And so working hard, he says, is better than laziness, but it doesn't gain you anything in the context of I don't have God in my life. And so first and foremost, include God in what you're doing. Seek Him, spend time with Him. And from that, your work will be much more uh, effective and better than laziness. 
And in the context of knowing yeah. God, wisdom will be better than folly. In the context of seeking God before anything else, then hard work or riches or friendship will be better than laziness or poverty or loneliness. Even destiny and righteousness, it says, aren't actually worth comparing to seeking God and being in relationship with Him. I mean, we talk about righteousness and we say without righteousness, we can't come into relationship with God. We're, we're separated from Him. But unless we come to Him first, we actually can't do anything about our righteousness. We actually can't get ourselves to a place where we can be good enough to come into His presence. We need to come to Him and say, I need you to do it. I need your help with it. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And so we need to come to yeah. God. We need Him to be the core, the foundation, the primary, the principal thing in our life. He needs to be first. He is the treasure we seek. He is the, the jewel that has no value that we would be willing to sell anything to get. It's Him. And as we lose sight of that, the work that we do for Him becomes harder and more disappointing. If we can keep our eyes on Him, He actually makes us into the perfection of His Son. Yeah, wow. I just want to continue on from there. Some of the things you said was really great. And I think this fits perfectly what you have just said, Pastor John. And I want to share about King David. He he was a king, obviously, and he had this desire on his heart that he wanted um, God's presence to be in a temple. Before it was just in a tent. We're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. They took it yeah. from places to places. And on his desire was he wants it to be a temple, in a temple. And and God basically comes and says to him, you won't do it, but your son will do it. Yeah. Now David is about to hand over the throne to King Solomon. And while in this process, what is the last thing you, that you might actually tell to a person when you're leaving this earth? And that's a question that we all ask. What's the one great advice you can give to someone if it's the last time you're seeing them. And this is what sort of King David says to King Solomon. And you mentioned about amazing stuff that King Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's the advice that David gives to his son. It says in, in First Chronicles chapter 28, verse um, 9 to 10, it says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion. Wow, it just talks about serving him. With yeah. a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. Now this is where it gets interesting. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as a century. Be strong and do the work. Mm. I just thought that fitted in really well with what, what you had just said, Pastor John, that first of all, his father gives him advice as to serve God with wholeheartedly and willing mind, that you've got to be willing to serve him. And you also got to be willing to seek him with everything you have got. Don't forsake God. And also put in the work that God has for you. He, he has given you a purpose. And David knew that good because God spoke to him that this is something your son will fulfill. 
and now he knows that the purpose that has been placed, a responsibility that has been placed upon Solomon's life. He might not have known it at that time, but now it's this great responsibility that has been burning on his father's heart. And this is a great advice that he gives him, is to serve him and to seek him. And he has to put in the effort to do all of those. Yeah, wow. And so that's just an amazing verse that sort of sums up what we're trying to say here is that, wow, God is actually calling him to serve and to seek. And so that doesn't give us, like you said, time for us to be lazy or anything. It's not supposed to be like, like you mentioned that there's a caution that don't go back to churches and be like, I'm just going to be seeking God from now on. Here, David mentions, serve him and also seek him. Yeah. So if we, uh, if we're going to try to do both, I think one of the, the questions I'd like to ask in the middle of that, and Shane, maybe you can answer this one, is how did Jesus do that balance? Great question, Pastor John. Well, I see Jesus' life. First of all, when he started his ministry, he went into seeking God. He went and he did 40 days and 40 nights of prayer and fasting. And then he went out and he chose his disciples and then he started saving. He started doing miracles and he started doing a whole, whole lot of stuff. But in the middle of that, what we see, see and we discussed this in our, in our last podcast about Jesus sort of separating himself from the crowd and going into prayer. Yeah. And that was his moments of, I'm going to separate myself from everyone and we're going to seek, I'm going to seek God for myself, even though he's God himself. He is showing people that you need to set aside time to seek God while you're doing everything else. He went around doing miracles left, right and center and he drew uh, big crowds everywhere. But then he seemed to have separated himself from the crowds where he would just be seeking God. And even when he was about to go on the cross and he he was going up on the mountain and, and praying and his disciples would uh, fall asleep, he's like, why can't you guys even stay awake for an hour just to pray with me? And he was really disappointed. And and you can see like how much he was really seeking God and showing people that this is actually what we should be doing is seeking him. But in the middle of all of that, full on, he was doing more saving as well. He was going around teaching about God, teaching people about what the mission is, what our goal is in life. And hey, if you need a miracle, I, I'm here. If, if devils needs to be cast out, I'm here. And so you can see Jesus doing both sides of the thing all throughout the scriptures. Yeah, and you haven't explicitly said this, but in what you've said, you actually see there's a lot of moments where Jesus deliberately went without sleep so that he yeah. could try to work this balance out. And I don't know in our culture that we would like to mention that, uh, but realistically, there were in Jesus' life, there was such a demand on him that there was times where he went away just with his disciples, and there was times where he went away without his disciples, just with him and God alone. And in the middle of that, there was times where it seemed to keep him up all night, just praying and seeking God. And you mentioned the example in the garden just before his crucifixion, where he said, can't you even pray with me for an hour? But I think it was the night that he chose his disciples, you get the impression in the scripture, that he was up all night praying about that decision. That he actually went yeah. one whole night, possibly sleepless, because that was such an important decision. Who are the people that I'm going to have with me on my ministry team? 
These are the people that I'm going to train. These are the people that I'm going to uh, create into disciples, which is much more than just training and teaching. It's actually uh, imparting all of your life skills and character and personality to say, this is who I am. So they see every part of your life and they can then copy and learn from that. And in that, there's several times through it where his retreating away from the crowds was actually done at night and he would sneak away into the mountains to pray because he wanted to just spend time with God. And you know, he'd been he'd been in the presence of God from eternity to the point where he was incarnated. And when after his crucifixion, he's going to be with the Father for eternity again. And there's this yeah. brief period of time where he limits himself within the confines of a human body and he serves and he loves and he pours out God's heart on us. And even though 33 years out of eternity doesn't seem a whole lot, he found that in that season, he needed to take take time to step back, get alone with just him and the Father and spend some time in his presence. And that's right. You think about that and... He has spent a lot of time with the Father. And so he's in a moment in his life where he's human, he's fully human and and fully God at the same time. And you're, you're thinking, okay, he actually made some effort into seeking God. And we see that because he said um, that he doesn't make a move without he, him first hearing from what the Father has to say. Yeah. If the Father says so, he's going to make that move. And so even though... Jesus knew what the plan was. Jesus knew what needed to be happen, but he always made that effort because there was something about the Father that he needed to continually seek him to get to know him, even this time that he's away from him just for a brief moment. And for God, time is nothing. For 33 years is probably nothing. And I don't know, in in God's timing, he could probably go uh, without... um, talking to the father for for 33 years and it would be just like 30 seconds but it was like i'm going to make an effort to know what my father's heart is and keep that relationship and to show people that that's important yeah as we mentioned at the start we're two friends encouraging each other to seek god more and this has been a great reminder for me that uh, we need to keep that up and and press on in that so uh, in that context thanks for listening to asking better questions with john and shane We'll be here again next week discussing another question and we hope you can join us then. Don't forget to send your questions to askingbetterquestionspodcast at gmail.com. Have a great week. God bless you.